lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Alongside me are Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. We'll be joined by our friend Emerald Robinson from Newsmax. She will be joining us here for the Dace Group momentarily as we look back on the week that was. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program, D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, uh, and Getter, and Gab, if you're looking for places that have no censorship, if you're looking for clips with no censorship, uh, get those at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show as well. Again, that's rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. If you are thinking of getting involved in the real estate market uh, here in, in, in the not too distant future, if you're on the fence, If you're looking at the economic indicators, if you're looking at the COVID messaging coming out of the Biden White House today, I I would strongly urge you to get whatever you have planned for the rest of the year, I would urge you to get it done as soon as you possibly could, including real estate with housing, housing markets blowing up again, housing values. Uh, We've got interest rates low again, while every other economic indicator is bad again. Does this sound familiar to you? It should, because it's an awful lot like what we saw at this time in 2008, and recall how that year ended. So if you're on the fence, if you want to get away from where you live right now, if you're trying to flee a COVID stand state or community, uh, or you just want to take advantage of all the equity that you're sitting on, now is the time, uh, particularly in these unprecedented times bang thank you uh to head over and find yourself a real estate agent you can trust to guide you through this process where would you find them well the name kind of says it all at realestateagentsitrust.com again head over to realestateagentsitrust.com all right next hour we will get into your feedback that you have sent to us via the stevedace.com inbox but we begin on a friday as we always do with the dace group Your weekly look at the week that was begins, as it always does, with issue one, bleep, Lord Nefarious says. Not just to think about, well, my freedom is being kind of disturbed here. No, screw your freedom. Do you agree with Randy Weingarten, the head of the largest teachers union in the country, who came out yesterday and said, yes, teachers should be vaccinated inside schools? Do you think they should be mandated to be vaccinated? Yeah, I'm going to upset some people on this, but I think we should. I'm sorry. I I mean, I know people must like to have their individual freedom and not be told to do something. But I think we're in such a serious situation now that under certain circumstances, mandates should be done. know this is really being overblown they're following all the safety precautions people are going to sporting events that are bigger than this this is going to be safe this is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd 
And, and this is just about optics. It's not about safety. There's a lot to celebrate in terms of the progress that we have made against COVID-19 under President Biden's leadership. Um, our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death. They prevent it. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. Good to be back. Thank you for the inquiries about my well-being. If you haven't been vaccinated regarding the COVID problem, you need to get vaccinated. I've been vaccinated and I uh, got COVID anyway. A couple of really bad days, but uh, I'm doing better and I feel Filled on the mend, and I'm confident if I hadn't had the vaccine, it'd have been a lot worse. As somebody who was a Republican strategist, what is the strategy behind killing children in your own state and letting them, letting children die of COVID? I can't figure it out. You're killing our children. That's on you. Oh come on. And let me say one more thing. And, and I'm killing their, your children. If I if I is that let, what you just let, said? Let, let her finish and then is that you what can you respond. Said? Because it's just not okay for kids to commit murder by coming to school without a mask. And when it comes down to it, it's possible. They will ch they will cause a death of another child because they come to school without a mask. So, white people, how does it feel to be a problem? Chapter two of your book uh, is called Why It's Okay to Generalize About White People. Uh, one of the things that white people often say is, well, you can't say that about all white people. Robin, you can't say all white people have internalized anything. You can't say that all white people do this or all white people feel like that. And they would say even that the very claim that all white people do anything is itself racist. And that's why it's chapter two. <laughs> Kyla Posey says she was stunned when she learned about classes segregated by race at Mary Lynn Elementary last year. A practice she says was put in place and condoned by Principal Sharon Briscoe. First, it was just disbelief that I was having this conversation in 2020 with a person that looks just like me, a black woman. It's segregating classrooms. Let's get to the first question. Emerald Robinson from Newsmax. As the guest, you get to go first. What was the worst of the worst this week? The worst of the worst was how the media treated Mike Lindell regarding his uh, cyber symposium. I had to, you know, just dip in and out and watch it on and off. But I thought it was really kind of amazing that he had uh, the data from uh, Mesa County, Colorado. He actually had the recorder there. Her name was Tina, Tina Peters. She showed up. They went through this 2020 election data with her on the big screen on stage. And, and cybersecurity experts went through it in front of the audience. So they actually had data. They actually went through it. And the, I kept hearing in the media, well, Mike Lindell show doesn't prove any evidence or have any evidence. And I think uh, there was a big takeaway from that. And and that's that we should probably go back to full paper ballots. A lot. They were a lot of mainstream media, I thought, got press credentials. I read to his event, too. Right. They wanted to they were attempting to cover it, too. Our ACNN staff, mm -hmm. you know, reporters, photog, writers. Yeah. Yeah. There so was a lot of media there. Um, a notable missing Fox was notably missing from there. We'll get more into that in the next segment as well. Todd, what was the worst of the worst for you this week? Uh, I just come back to the beginning at the end of all of that because it, all of the insanity that you hear there and every damn Friday is because of the likes of people like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not because he's famous. 
It's because if you remember, Schwarzenegger used to tell all kinds of very inspiring stories of him uh, as a young man uh, growing up uh, in Eastern Bloc existence and dreaming of the freedom that is America and why he became a Republican. And he comes here and the, the fruits of his labors are rewarded over and over and over again. And he becomes a significant piece of Americana. And then he runs for governor. All of his dreams came true. And it ultimately, the cherry on top is screw your freedom. That's why we are ruled by the weakest of the weak. Because a strong man like that allowed himself to get biblically tied up in his own house. He tied the ropes himself. It's amazing to watch. I'm old enough to remember when we had to vote for him to save California. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, you know what? Can I add to Todd's worst? Absolutely. Go ahead. It might have been even worse because uh, he he hung out with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vinman and his <laughs> wife as well during all that. And she posted a picture with a Conan sword. Thanks, Emerald. Thanks. I was <laughs> <laughs> right. like, what up? <laughs> Aaron? I think the worst of, of this week's worst is... Uh, the dude in the dress. And uh, no, I'm not talking about, uh, what's her name, Rachel, whatever her... Uh, Lindsey Graham? Uh, yes, that. <laughs> okay. No, the dude in the dress, the, uh, the, the the school board member in Michigan. So there was that clip that we heard from um, from the school board members, one of which accused the other of murdering or killing children. And then the dude who was uh, apparently presiding over the meeting said, no, 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 no. Wait, let her finish. <laughs> Todd, do you know who I'm talking about? Do you know a few people like that? Oh, yes, I do. Yeah. No, let her finish saying that you were, you're murdering. Let her finish. I, I'm sorry. Let her finish. Because he, he, ha- he had a mask on. That's my favorite. Or that's my favorite worst of the week. I mean, that, that person is everywhere. No, let them finish being crazy, and then you can, I don't know, you can say something, I guess. That person had a 20-year head start. Uh, with and three trillion dollars to train the Afghani army yeah. uh, to yep. overcome a bunch Preach. of goat humpers, and apparently with a twenty-year head start and three trillion dollars, they could not do it for ten freaking minutes. Because that person's on your Joint Chiefs of Staff. That person is most of the Republicans we have ever voted for. That person is most of your media. That person is most of your males. In fact, that's not a male. That's exactly what it is—just a person. Let's get to the exit question. On a scale of one to 10, with one being the odds that Lindsey Graham's favorite ZZ Top song is Legs, and 10 being the odds that Lindsey Graham's favorite ZZ Top song is Tush. Rate this week's level of total depravity, Todd. 10. Aaron? 10. Emerald? I mean, I think things are going to get worse, so I've got to leave room for the future. I'm going to say seven, because I think it's going to get way, way worse. She's already come over the top on us yep. twice. That's, And I already came in here in a dark place. So. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. All right, let's get to issue two. Let's get an election integrity update. The Arizona audit continues to linger on, specifically Maricopa County, where 2.1 million ballots from the 2020 election have been scanned and recounted. The process in Maricopa has now stretched on for about 16 weeks. 
The final report from the Florida-based company Cyber Ninjas, which was conducting the ballot review for the Arizona Senate, is expected to be released in the coming weeks. In Fulton County, Georgia, there's been chatter of another audit and or recount of the votes from the 2020 election there. Recently, a quote-unquote internal audit of Fulton County found at least 10, quote, administrative and fiscal management issues during the 2020 cycle. In Pennsylvania, resistance is growing at attempts to audit the state's election. This week, the Tioga County commissioners specifically called upon State Senator Doug Mastriano to cease his efforts to audit the election. Tioga County is a small rural county with a population of about 40,000. As audits and threatened audits continue to wind on, another threat appears on the horizon in the form of the People's Republic of California, where Governor Gavin Newsom is looking straight down the barrel of being recalled and where conservative talk radio host Larry Elder could be poised to become governor. This week, it was revealed that California voters will be able to download their ballots at home for the recall election. You can see where that's going. There. So let's combine this with the Lindell Symposium as well that you covered, Emerald, for Newsmax. And I mean, I don't know anybody in our business that is more on top of these election integrity issues that you are than you are. So I want you to take a few minutes, if you would, first before we discuss it amongst ourselves. Give us the lay of the land. What have you seen? What did you see at this symposium? What are you seeing with some of the other issues that Aaron uh, brought up here in his intro? I guess we're asking the reporter to give us a report. So go ahead. Well, I think the most interesting was the Mesa County data that they put on the screen and went through and showed what happened. And they actually had the recorder there to verify it. What's also not being reported really from that symposium is that state legislatures were there from different states and they were taking notes. They had breakout sessions on how to conduct audits in your own state because even the states that people aren't talking about, they're finding some discrepancies and people want to know about our elections. We're, we learned so much in 2020, we had no idea. We didn't know many places a third party vendor essentially controls the elections and you can't request the information from them and they control the audit process. That's very, very eye-opening. But I will tell you, I think the state to watch is Georgia. And in the report you just gave, I've, I've been talking to a lot of people down there. This is a lawsuit. This is a court case. And the judge down there has so far been probably the most open judge in the country. Because remember, most of them didn't actually hear the cases. They only, they only went uh, side of the lack of standing in the most part. And those 80 judges that Jen Psaki consistently references from the podium. But this judge has been going through the process, following the law. There, there should be a hearing coming up on that soon. They've already unsealed, you know, several ballots. They went through it. They found interesting uh, discrepancies uh, on those ballots. And we could be headed for a, a more... Uh, a, a more elaborate audit in Fulton County. There's also, there's more to it than just looking at the ballots as well. I'll tell you, these cases also look at the money trail. And there's lots of information that will come out of this. And it's going to be very revealing. We talk about Zuckerbucks a lot, right? But there, there's even more to it. So Georgia is going to be very important to watch. And it also has to have the drama around it. Also, interestingly, things are heating up in Wisconsin based on what one state lawmaker is doing. And uh, subpoena, uh, putting out subpoenas in order to conduct an audit. And clearly, there's still a push in Pennsylvania. And I think that the, I do think, because I'm at the Biden White House every day, right? 
they are concerned because every time some news is coming out about these election audits, you see a diversion tactic from the Biden administration, it's DOJ, that is telling. Is it just coincidence that shortly after public polling, which always lags behind internal polling and what the professionals do behind closed doors, uh, Emerald, is it coincidental that shortly after public polling showed Gavin Newsom is now in real danger of losing, that California (laughs) launches a print at home ballot scheme? Is that just a coincidence? Were they were they always going to do that? that, But so it was just a coincidence. Purely coincidental. Clearly, no. It's no. It's no coincidence at all. And I, I, I have a lot of family in California, and they were just waiting for some shenanigans. Most people expected to just be ballot harvesting, mm-hmm. mail-in ballots. But the fact you can actually print it yourself makes it a whole lot easier. Are His we, polling should have instantly went up after that, right? Are we are we confident that the the folks that apparently were unaware of how to mail something properly? In the last election, they, they were not sure um, how, you know, where to get a stamp, uh, how soon they needed to mail something in so it would arrive on time. So we had to take days and weeks uh, of receiving new ballots. Are, are we sure that those people understand how to hook a printer up uh, and can even afford one? Are we sure of that? Well, I, I'm quite certain that there will be a uh, Democrat voting rights group that will be able to come into their homes and assist them or assist them, actually assist them remotely. I'm sure they'll have a specific uh, tech line they can call. Hmm. All right. So let's go to Lindell. I, I've read several accounts of this. And on purpose, I tried to find people of a critical view um, to see what, what their complaint was. And I... I, I've I've read what Bannon said about it, uh, and I found that there were there were two thresholds basically. A did he actually uh, further his own narrative, or and then B did he present credible evidence on a prima facie basis? What did you think, having having been there, and or I'm sorry, having covered it as best as you could? What did you think was the credibility of the information provided there? Well, I they actually had some receipts. Most people discredited it, and it wasn't as explosive, maybe, or as, as sensational as people wanted, but it showed how machines are hooked up to the Internet. It showed that specific case in Mesa County, Colorado. So I thought for nuts and bolts, it, it was revealing. Now, was it, it wasn't what I, I think people were hoping was going to be, oh, we, we have this and we show where they fractionalized the vote or they changed it, but it showed just how vulnerable the voting systems are really. And then when we pair that up with what we know happened on election night, like they just stopped counting in these key states, right? Red flag, mm-hmm. that didn't happen. And now we see how vulnerable our uh, our system is. And I think he was able to get that across. So I think that's important. People are criticizing it for not, I think also, I mean, Mike does hype it up a lot. So he himself is guilty of hyping it when really at the nuts and bolts, it, it, it was informative. And then the fact that they had breakout sessions for legislatures to look at leg, legislators, excuse me, to look at how to do your own audits. I mean, that's grassroots. Usually the right we're terrible at grassroots. So well, that's because we hate our grassroots. We, we, we hate our grassroots. That's why exactly. We're, yeah, they, we just we just want that. them to vote and uh, give us money. Yeah, we, we don't want to 
and we don't want to uh, set them, uh, pardon the pun, ablaze on any level whatsoever. Okay. Anything else before I throw it to the wider panel that you want to bring up here in, uh, in your SME report for us on this? Well, I just feel like once you know, you understand how vulnerable that the election system is and how much control vendors have over it, you can't feel they're secure or confident. And those people who said it was the most secure election in history, it's clear it isn't. Okay. I mean, you know, it's pretty simple. All right. Well, she actually did a good segue here to the question I was going to ask you to. On the basis of what you just heard from Emerald, giving kind of the roundup of these various uh, tentacles on the election integrity issue, what or how much do you think the average person in our audience, and you can include your own perspective, how much do you think they should trust this voting process? Aaron, I'll start with you. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's not... That's not the that's not the, the the hand that we were dealt at this point. Now, how do I make the case to go out and vote for a good candidate after this? You know, um, maybe at the local level, that's where you can still do this and make you know make your voice heard and make your vote actually count. But I think at any point now, there was a there was a time not really that long ago where we could still trust our institutions to provide the function that they were designed for. At this point in time, it is it is incumbent. In fact, I would say you're foolish if you do not actively distrust every single institution around you, just as a posture. And I mean every single institution. My big hang-up, and I expressed this to you in a roundabout way off the air yesterday, I don't know where to go for an actual straight down the middle report of these audits mm-hmm. and what's happening with the election integrity. I know. I know. Half of I. conservative media doesn't like this story, wants it to go away, thinks, um, oh, well, the problem is most people, I've, I've had somebody tell me, uh, the problem is most Americans don't understand how the voting system works. That's the, actually the posture, I would say, of, of most of conservative media right now. I'm not even talking about the leftist media who just thinks that this is a bunch of January 6th nuts that are intent on wreaking havoc under blah 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 i'm talking about people use wearing your jerseys who refuse to admit that yeah uh voldemort is actually back guys because uh you don't understand the minutia of uh the uh 33rd uh paragraph of the maricopa county uh voter id code screw that i also have a hard time and mike lindell god bless him i have a hard time i have a hard time looking at evidence that they bring forward and I say, this is compelling. I don't know how to verify that by myself. I don't know how to verify that because it's wide and it's sweeping. So my posture on this is the 2020 election was rigged. It was possibly stolen. In fact, I think it's a pretty good likelihood that it was stolen. There's a difference between, in my mind, rigged and stolen. Rigged is the mail-in voting scheme. Mm -hmm. Stolen is, uh, hey, we're still counting ballots at 2.15 in the morning in Milwaukee. Yes. Um, Great great and important distinction. Or two weeks later as well. Wait two weeks. Yeah. So I just go back and I look at the incongruencies. The incongruencies of this electorate do not make sense. Why was Kansas City... 
uh, so much different than Philadelphia or Milwaukee or Detroit? Why was Dallas or uh, St. Louis different? Why did they not have the same issues that those places had? Those are questions that I think the vast majority of people who believe somewhere along the lines of what I believe are asking. I don't think most people have time to get into the minutia, not saying that that's not important because it is, but that's just the hang up that I have on all of this. Same question to you, Todd. And for once, good luck following that. Well, uh, normally, breaking, he, normally I do that to him. He does that to you. Breaking, while Aaron was talking, I was on the phone with the uh, GOP National Committee, and they've hired uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as their spokesperson for election integrity, and he says, screw your freedom! Uh, here, could you have a better political gift than California? Newsom on the ropes. A uh, long time, not not out of nowhere, not poached out of nowhere, a long time loyal black conservative, Larry Elder, uh, on the rise. But but it, even if they wanted to get involved now, you know, now that this paper ballot thing, it's so, it's so obvious based on the words of Democrats before the 2020 election. Whenever you ask them about the uh, drop boxes and things, oh my God, chaos. You, you would never have a legitimate election, but... Oh, boy, did they change their tune on that. Now this paper ballot thing, the rep- because the Republicans are terrified of everything that Emeril laid out uh, in following uh, Georgia, Maricopa County, uh, who knows what opens up in Wisconsin. They, they are just the, the monkeys, eyes, ears. They, they don't want to go down this road as, as easy as it would be in California. They know if they go down this paper ballot trail and try to go uh, actually get the, the win of all wins in California, that opens up more scrutiny in these places that people in this room and Emerald over there absolutely think it's a matter of national security to follow through on. And most of our Republicans... Aaron talked about the, the our jerseys in the press, but most of our elected representatives yeah. want this to go away because if they find out what many of us think you're going to find out there, if at least in one of those states, they don't know what to do. They're terrified of what yeah. to do. Emerald, you want to add to that very quickly before we have to get to the exit question? Go ahead. Well, and I, I, ju- I just will add that between the two... I mean, when we're talking about our Republicans in the media and Republicans uh, in Congress, they're not like Republicans on the ground. They're not like the voters. They're much more like the Democrats. Yeah. In all honesty, and they really the guys, the people on the ground, the people on the ground are Rand Paul, and the people in Washington are cocaine ditch McConnell. That's the difference. Exactly. That's a great. That's a great analogy. Two guys, two senators, two Republican senators produced from the exact same state that in the last election, uh, Joe Biden won exactly two counties out of the entire damn state and lost by 25 points. And these two men could not be any more different. That's essentially the house divided against itself. Um, Can two people walk arm in arm unless they see eye to eye? That's exactly what the Republican Party is. The people on the ground are Rand Paul. You people watching and listening to this are Rand Paul. The people you vote for and put in charge of you are Mitch McConnell. That's the difference. Let's get to the exit question. If the odds the California Democrat machine will mobilize ballot harvesting to save Gas Gavin Newsom next month were lyrics to a Foo Fighter song, which Foo Fighter song lyrics would it be? A, the only thing I'll ever ask of you, you've got to promise not to stop when I say when, meaning that they're all in. B, I'm a little divided. Do I stay or do I run away? They're unsure. 
or C, one more indecent accident I'd rather leave than suffer this. I.e., Newsom is too far gone to save. Aaron. I think it's B. They're undefined or they're divided. They're unsure. What do you think, Todd? A. A. They're all in. What do you think it is, Emerald? I'm with Todd. I think A all in. All in. Emerald has brought the total depravity today. I like that. She has. Yes, indeed. I am in D.C. (laughs) Well, now we've got an excuse. Yes. (laughs) Now the truth comes out. Yes. Hey, folks, uh, if if, if this is causing you pain, um, uh, well, this can't help. But if you're struggling with uh, the pain that comes from inflammation, that is the uh, the nagging, achiness, stiffness uh, in those knees, n- the neck, uh, the back, the shoulders, those joints that just won't go away, that lingers on, chances are that is because of inflammation. Now, if, you're, if your back hurts because you fell off a ladder yesterday, that is not inflammation. You've got an injury. You need professional medical help. But if you've got the nagging chronic variety chances are inflammation's the issue look for an all natural anti-inflammatory that is backed by 35 years of clinical research to take on and attack your pain and it's the one that i use each and every day it's called omega xl and it will attack your inflammation before it causes even more serious problems in your body if you want to give it a shot right now they're offering buy one bottle get a second one for free when you go to omegaxl.com steve again that's omegaxl.com slash Steve or give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. When we come back, we'll continue on with part two of our weekly look at the week that was, and we will get into what is the point of the Republican Party and the fall of the House of Cuomo next. Really quick, um, there are two pieces of data that have come out in just the last hour that that we need to hope are wrong. Uh, One is a preprint study of COVID therapeutics that basically shows the, um, the phenomenon that Dr. Robert Malone, who originally patented the technology, warned us about two weeks ago, and this is where you get what's called a leaky vaccine. And this is a vaccine that binds antibodies without blocking them. And so therefore it can actually create more mutations and variants of the very virus that it is attempting to mitigate. This study up for preprint says that this is actually going on right now in real time. That would be very bad. Also very bad is a JAMA study that just came out on Boston Children's Hospitals that found 80% of the kids in there um, with, an, with a vaccine adverse side effect showed markers for long-term cardiac problems. Let's, um, let's continue on. Welcome back in Emerald Robinson from Newsmax. Kind enough to join us this week for the Dace Group. Let's get to issue three. The fall of the House of Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo is out as the governor of New York after New York Attorney General Letitia James announced the findings of her inquiry into allegations of sexual harassment at the hands of Cuomo. Governor Cuomo sexually harassed current and former state employees 
in violation of both federal and state laws. The Independence investigation found that Governor Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women, many of whom were young women, by engaging in unwanted groping, kisses, hugging, and by making inappropriate comments. Cuomo says he's resigning for the good of the state. Wasting energy on distractions is the last thing that state government should be doing. And I cannot be the cause of that. Joe Biden was asked what he thought of Cuomo as a governor. He's done a hell of a job. He's done a hell of a job. That's why it's so sad. Cuomo and his nipple piercings will leave office in less than two weeks. Emerald, we'll go to you first here. Were you surprised? I, I was a little surprised that he he resigned instead of fighting to the end. But I mean, I guess we are up to like, what, 13, 14 accusers uh, at this point. But look, here's what's really going on. Cuomo, if you notice, don't doesn't have very many friends on the left now. And there's a reason for that. If you remember back last year when Amy Robach at ABC did this sit down with Cuomo and in it she says, you're the most popular Democrat and most trusted trusted Democrat leader second to Obama. Well, that's a problem most importantly for Vice President Kamala Harris and by default, uh, Obama himself. Look, it's very unlikely that Joe Biden will be running in 2024. Kamala Harris is extremely unpopular, no matter what they try to do. So what they have to do is protect her now. Kamala is Obama's pick. That's who he wanted. Cuomo was a significant threat to her. And actually, the sexual harassment charges were easier to take him out on than the nursing home Mm -hmm. scandal. Mm -hmm. Because if they'd taken him out on that, then there would be collateral damage with the governors of Pennsylvania, exactly. yep. New Jersey, yep. and Michigan. So they could get Al Capone on tax evasion instead of the St. Valentine's Day massacre. That's exactly right. All right. Yeah. What do you think, Todd? Well, your math about Democrat uh, politics in the state of New York uh, and people wanting to, within that party, want to line up their own opportunity, it, it, I get it. It all makes sense. But yes, I was surprised because it wasn't just any old Democrat politician, many of whom are shameless, but also of many of them just flat out don't have the chutzpah that Cuomo does. I, I just, there's, it's that whole, he lies all the time, but that speech there about, uh, uh, I didn't do anything uh, wrong, but I understand times have changed and I don't want to stand in the way and it's my notion to fight. Uh, it's way more than that. And it's way more than this list of, you know, kissing and a pat on the re- all of you know. I'm not condoning it, but if if that was it, there's no way Cuomo is walking out. There's there's something way more about this that is out there that he's been confronted with that the rest of us don't know. Because I there's no way Cuomo goes down because of the speech that AG just gave right there. Aaron. I was surprised only because I'm not really used to seeing things like this happen and it's beating a dead drum, you know, or a, a dead <laughs> beating the drum, beating a dead horse at this point that uh, he, he deserves uh, the noose, firing squad, uh, electric chair, uh, lethal injection for what he did. 
and in seeding those nursing homes. He deserves the death penalty for that. So this is getting off on on tax evasion. Um, I, I also I, I agree ideologically his um, his successor will be worse. Uh, it's just not every day, though, that an opportunity uh, pops up for you to kill untold thousands of elderly populations. So I'm not not really sure if the if his successor will be worse in that regard. Um, but I was surprised because I just don't come to expect this type of thing. But when you put it in the lens of what that machine is in New York, as you have done, Steve, before, and I'm sure you'll reset here uh, momentarily, when you put it in the lens of, of looking at what that machine is, it really does make a little bit more sense. It makes sense why somebody like Ralph Northam sticks around in a purple state like Virginia, while in a deep blue state like New York, uh, Andrew Cuomo gets the axe. Because guess what? There's somebody deeper blue right behind him mm-hmm. that's going to take over. Whereas in Virginia, that's a little bit more of a question mark. That's why my answer to the previous question, though, about California and whether or not they're going to go all in, although my default position would be all in, it's so deep blue there. It's like, well, why are we going to risk this for somebody like Newsom? We can get somebody even further to the left of him uh, in California. So that's my only trepidation there. But uh, I digress. So I was surprised at the end of the day. Well, I I mean, I have the same analysis that I had it all along that Emerald had that in the end. He was way too much and had been for too long, too much of a political liability. I mean, he was essentially every Republican governor's get out of jail free card, just compare themselves to him, uh, increasing unlikability. Um, and he's just a white male. Um, so, if, you know, that, that, that's an intersectionality dime a dozen. Get rid of the 65 year old white male behind him's a woman. The, the AG who wants his job's a black woman. I mean, it, it just... It, it made too much sense if you did all the math. And then you also throw in how the Tara Reid collapsed the Me Too movement. And this gives them, you know, some level of credibility to try to recapture it again when you run Kamala against Donald Trump and you'll have all of Gloria Allred's accusers back again with Donald Trump like you saw in, in 2016. And, and now they can claim some credibility because, hey, they got rid of, they took the trash out on their side and Joe Biden's not running again. Okay, That's one of the most remarkable things. Cuomo is out and Northam is still there in Virginia. My goodness, Virginia. That, well, he would not be if the black LG did not have his own Me Too problem or Me Too that, problem. That was it. Okay. You know, they 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 had their they had a they, they had a Kamala set up there as well. Okay. Yeah. But the, the, but notice they were all calling for everybody on the left was calling for Northam's resignation until the Me Too problem erupted with the black LG and then suddenly the story just went away. There was no nothing waiting in the wings because of what Aaron said. They they don't have the depth of 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 ranks and bench in a state like Virginia that just recently became a swing state in the last 20 years before that post reconstruction until George W. Bush. I mean this, or until Bill Clinton, this story or this state went red every, every cycle. So this is a recent swing state. It's a state that they just recently in the Obama latter Obama years swung to a light blue state. So they don't have years of benches and ideologues waiting in the wings in a state like that. They had somebody set up for LG had his own me too problem. Keith Ellison kind of problem. They couldn't go to him. So they just had to ride that puppy out. But we, and, and then not have him run for reelect and then try to resurrect Terry McAuliffe, which is what they're doing right now. Let's get to the exit question. Who lasts longer on cable, not news? Joy Reid or Chris Cuomo? What do you think, Aaron? Joy Reid. Todd. Joy Reid has cockroach quality, yeah. so I'm going with Joy Reid. What do you think, Emerald? I, I, I'll, I'll third that as Joy Reid. Okay. Let's get to our final topic, our kicker, com- our, our kicker topic here. What, what is the point 
of the Republican Party. And uh, Emerald, I'll start with you. What, what's the point of it? To lose to Democrats. To give in all the time. And pre- especially on the big issues. While uh, pretending to fight and complain. Look, what you have to understand about the uh, 2020 election is that it was both Democrats and Republicans who worked together to quote unquote fortify the election. Remember Ball- Molly Ball's article? It was Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Barr. It was Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. It was Stacey Abrams and Brad Brad Roethlisberger. It was the the AFL CIO and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. And when you really get to the national level here in Congress, there's just not that much difference, really. And they don't want to win. So their point is to lose to Democrats. Aaron, what's the point? To cut waste, fraud, and abuse. <laughs> um, no, it's basically it's basically the same point that uh, um, same 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 thing that many um, right of center people uh, in positions of influence think their job is. It's to rein people like you and me and you, those of you listening in. It's to rein you in. Yes, it is. Because you're a problem. Yes. That's the point of yeah. the Republican That's a, It's a pure false flag operation, yep. which is exactly what it is. That's exactly its point. You bet. Todd. Hail Hydra. That's that, yes, which is a furthering of what, what, I, what Aaron just described. I, I had a fascinating conversation. I can't remember if I've relayed this on air. Uh, how much time do we have? I, with... Uh, f- close family of mine they're longtime gun owners i am not i am an owner now but i am not a longtime gun owner and they were talking about uh here in the iowa legislature removing the uh permitting aspect of things uh that we had in place and they were like i i don't know we we need some sort of gatekeepers on that and these are longtime gun owners you can take the guns out of my cold dead hands people but Mm -hmm. they like and i said you guys it's because these Republicans are the ones who have tried, and it's that it's and that gal's a Democrat who said it in the montage. Sophisticated, but that the whole Republican, we're the sophisticates. We know what needs to be done, and and now here it it's so got into the groundwater that even these gun owners who aren't part of uh, the Republican Joy Club in any way, shape, or form, even they were saying, well, you know, in a civilized society, I said, man. If a guy like me, who didn't grow up in a gun culture at any level, is it, it, it's now getting one, and more and more gun owners are, they're, they're saying, your rules suck. We've relied on you for way, way, way too long for absolutely zero return on investment. So I come full circle to where I started. Uh, Jen Psaki, you really, you're, you've done wonders with the return of that vernacular. Uh, you know, we, we just need... Uh, to realize that this is a hail hydra moment, and either you get that or you're going to get run over by your own party. Let's get to predictions. Aaron, I'll start with you. Go. I think uh, this uh, coming season in the NFL, which is uh, fast approaching, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, my Kansas City Chiefs, nobody is talking about them. It's really weird. Um, I, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to defy the Madden curse once more. I noticed, I noticed Steve, I'm just joking. I noticed you, you haven't really talked about him defying that curse once. If he can do it once, 
I think he can do it again. I think they're going to make it make it to the Super Bowl. I don't know if they're going to win it again, but I, I think they will make it to the we'll Super Bowl. We'll see, because the only two people that have ever defied it, they put them on the cover together. Okay? So, let's see what happens if, hey, they, it's if, Friday the 13th, if the juju double, cancels double itself out. Yeah. Yes, okay. Uh, go ahead, Todd. I think for all this talk, uh, both in college and the NFL, about what happens if you get uh, COVID and you won't get to replay games, I think that's all smokescreen. I think internally it's going to be the opposite they're they're, they're going to just they don't want to report anything they're going to go as far as lying about it because we are in full-on bread and circus territory and they know that all the other scams that they're going to try to pull us they can do as long as people have football to run away to and if we lose football people are going to lose their damn minds and sadly i think they're probably right I think there's all kinds of people who would go to war if they lost their football but as long as they get their football they say well you can keep kicking me in the jimmy all right, you don't have to do sports, uh, Emerald. You can uh, do any topic you want, but go ahead. Does it have to be football related? It doesn't have to. Any prediction okay. on anything? Go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I'll keep it sort of football related, but not about the sports of it. Um, I think you'll have to have your papers to go to football games very soon or anywhere else. I think they're going to push the vaccine passports, and that's going to be a national thing very soon. Sorry to be depressing. I I think. I, th- I think you're learning that history doesn't just repeat, but rhymes. And what, they're, what they are talking about in the trial balloons they're floating, this is how you make John Brown great again. This is, where, this is how John Brown, governments create a John Brown, is it comes from moments like this, that the populace is, is, is too drunk on prosperity, The political parties don't want to address a clear cultural wickedness, evil blight in their midst. And then out of the group that wants that wants that blight confronted will come a subset that will say that will that will grab the infinity gauntlet and they will say, fine, I'll do it myself. This environment that both you, Todd and Emerald just described this is how John Brown gets created in a petri in a in a cultural petri dish just like this. My prediction I, after this week, I had to just keep it on the shallow, okay. And and I hope I'm wrong about this too, although it's not nearly as important. I think we've seen the last of Henry Cavill as Superman on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? I have because it's shit. <laughs> I just I wasn't expecting it. That's, yeah. that's good. Okay. That's not a wow. That was an adorable laugh from a hot chick. That's a holy crap. I stayed one drink too long. Laugh. That's what that yeah, was. That would make a lot of a lot of women sad. Okay. Now I've been patted on the head. Thank you. <laughs> Emerald, we can't thank you enough for being here. It's so fun. All right, we'll do it again sometime. And it makes once, my Friday the 13th much more fun. We will do it again when my T-level recovers. Uh, thank you for being with us. <laughs> All right, hour two is next. with hour two live and on demand here on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with aaron mcintyre todd erzin 
and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show and get clips of the show that are free of censorship at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Again, that's rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Thank you to all of you that uh, listen to the podcast every day. Aaron was giving me some updated podcast numbers. They are, um, they're just outstanding. I don't know what else to say, but I mean, those numbers, the podcast continues uh, it's explosive growth. Thank you, all of you. Please, if you have not yet done this, leave us a five-star review, though. If you're a podcast listener, click subscribe or follow because that continues to help the podcast to grow all the more. Thanks to all of you that have done either or both of those things for the program. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, we'll get to Feedback Friday here in a second. I made an executive decision to postpone this next read until this hour. And uh, given who we had on with us the first hour, uh, I, you know, it was her first time here. Didn't want, wasn't sure how much she might fit into the bit of the you know neo hybrid locker room, uh, you know mentality we have around here sometimes. All right, and then she just kneecapped me at the end of the hour, which of course proved that she would have just fit in here just fine. All yeah. right, so of course you know I'm about to talk therefore about my underwear. Uh, because I'm a big fan of Tommy John, and right now they've introduced their newest and most advanced men's underwear yet. Now, I've not tried this one. It's called Apollo, Uh, but if it's anything like the cool cotton stuff that I'm like wearing right now and wear every day, if it's better than that, then wow. Uh, They say it comes with a performance-grade dry-release fabric blend that is exclusive to Tommy John. It's their latest comfort innovation that you cannot find absolutely anywhere else. Uh, Apollo underwear, soft, supportive, stretches for the perfect fit every day. Sizes available all the way up to, if you're that big, a 4XL. 15 million pairs sold for men across America. And yes, they've got women's stuff as well. Now, I cannot personally attest to how good uh, the women's uh, underwear feels, but for that, I might go ahead and refer you to a certain senator from South Carolina, all right? So if right now, if you want to get 20% off your first order at Tommy John's, to get to go to TommyJohns.com. Was that okay? It was okay. Will you allow that? Thank you. Uh, TommyJohn.com slash Steve, get 20% off. The best underwear you'll ever own, I promise, because I got a few pair for free, ended up getting rid of all the rest of my underwear, and then bought a whole bunch more out of my own pocket. That's how much I love this stuff, all right? TommyJohn.com slash Steve. Get 20% off today at TommyJohn.com slash Steve. All right, let's get to some feedback Friday. Um, Are we ready? You bet. All right, let's begin here with Rocco. That is another name that needs to make a comeback, don't you think? I'm in. Yeah, that's a name that needs to, that's an old school name. That needs to make a comeback, I think. Rocco. If we were going to have a son, I tried to get my name Leonidas from 300. But That's I- good, too. But, like, there's no kid in the history of America's government school system that when they when they read off the attendance roll and they said, Rocco, never, ever has it ever happened that all the other kids looked back at him and said, yeah, that's the kid will be bitten up after school today. You know what I'm saying? There just doesn't ha- that, Rocco doesn't get beat up after school. You know what I mean? Well, maybe then we can't overdo it. Uh, you just can't name it everybody, Rocco. Well, That's true. Okay. All right. So Rocco writes, I find myself in a position where I cannot reconcile the following observations. Number one, 
The masks are an inconvenience, which is constant. They make it difficult to breathe. They're uncomfortable. Yet people were willing to wear them for hours on end for over a year. Number two, the vaccine, on the other hand, is a one or two shot and everything is back to normal proposition, or at least it was prior to two weeks ago. Traditionally in America, and he's saying we've had far more pushback on those vaccines than we did on wearing the mask. That's his point. Okay. Traditionally in America, we've been very eager to do things in order to increase our level of level of comfort and quite reticent to do things in order to avoid negative health outcomes. That history would cause one to think that the mask would be where people would draw the line and the vaccine is something that they would happily accept. But the reality has been the exact opposite of that. Why do you think this is? This has been the most confusing part of the pandemic and lockdown response from my point of view. I figured hitting 70% vaccinations by July 4th was a no-brainer, given how little we've stood up to far more constant intrusions, such as masking. A populace which makes gods out of entertainment and pleasure-seeking and ignores physical health seems to be reacting, though, in the exact opposite way right now. Um... I know one way. Go it's ahead. Not just one thing. Listen. Even, I think this is a great observation, by the way. That's why I wanted to talk about it first. Even I uh, wore a mask at times when there was no other way I was going to get done grocery shopping with my wife or something like that. Uh, and there was a period of time where the, every every place you went, you were going to be told, you need to do this. You need to it, and I don't, I don't begrudge anybody one way or the other during the heart of this thing. Uh, I took as many moments as I could when it was just me uh, to not do it, to not care if somebody told me I had to put it on. Got in arguments in multiple stores. I had video on one of them. So I think my track record of that is pretty clear. But here's the thing about this. The vaccines, uh, or excuse me, the masks, everybody can see. And that's what drives our no one can see whether you're vaccinated or not. And 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 mm-hmm. that's why people have ridden this thing out. And 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 that's why now this papers please thing is coming on. And people didn't really want a lot of people would wear the mask because I just I don't want to get into the fight, but they could get I I just go on with my life. You're vaccinated, aren't you protected? I'm not. And so why are we even asking any other uh, any questions? that's why it is. Plus the the advertisement about the magical thinking of vaccines. This is the promise, return to normal life. And even people who didn't think anything one way or the other about um, Republican, Democrat, uh, vaccine, non-vaccine, that seemed like that seemed to be a reasonable thing. Um, And it quickly turned into a power grab and a scam. And the efficacy of this thing has been, uh, questionable in many ways uh, from the beginning. So there's a lot of things wrapped up to it. But the simple fact of the matter is you could you can see the mask, you can't see the vaccination, and that drives people nuts. Bingo. Bingo. It's, it's, there is a certain level of vaccines are magic, cultism, which I, I, I used to hear this from you as the anti-vaxxer in years past, and I kind of would just be like, I mean, we didn't get all our kids like every single friggin' thing they wanted to inject in them, but I, I thought that was a little overboard, but okay, fine. I didn't really think it was worthy of arguing because 
in my view, arguing about this four or five years ago was like arguing about marijuana. I, I just had too many other things yeah. on the docket right now, and I don't have the luxury of letting this occupy my time. At least that's the way I viewed it. Okay. Right you, or wrong. You were now, always fair to the small degree it came up. You right. entertained it, but I also thought it was not my place to bring it up regularly because there was no ground to grab purchase on it. I mean, it wasn't a thing. It was a. It was very much a fringe cultural thing. But you see it in things like the story that we had yesterday where they ran the story about the fully vaccinated father who's elderly and died. And then they said, but he would have died harder if he had not gotten vaccinated, for example. Yeah. Um, that the answer to watching the vaccines, they're no longer vaccines, okay? For now, the data shows they still hold up to some level of therapeutic, but they're not a vaccine like most of us think when we hear the term. They, They don't immunize you against anything. I mean, last week, the state of Massachusetts reported that their COVID breakthrough cases for fully vaccinated went from 1,300 the previous week, which is a pretty big number, to over 2,200 last week. And that they had gained 50 hospitalizations from fully vaccinated. In Israel today, according to their own data, there are more people in serious condition in the hospital for COVID today than there were a year ago, and the majority of them have received at least one shot of vaccine. That is according to Israel's own data. So, of course, the answer to that is just uh, more people got to get vaccinated. There's a story out today. Carnival Cruise had to shut down a ship because of 27 COVID cases. All of them came from fully vaccinated people. Well, Steve, they got it from the unvaccinated. Over 96% of the ship is vaccinated. Over 96% of it. Okay. And then to hear people turn right around, like just cognitive dissonance and say, well, that just means we've got a mandate. Everybody gets this. Your reaction to data that shows it's not working the way we were planned in real time is for everybody to get this. If we go down that road, that study from the British Infection Association that I referenced earlier, that shows signs of ADE. And a leaky vaccine that Robert Malone was was warning us about two weeks ago, the original uh, patenter of of of, uh, of mRNA vaccine tech. You keep injecting this in people as its efficacy declines. You're going to see that. And what does that mean? It means there's two types types of vaccines. There's perfect vaccines. This is where the vaccine blocks infection. And then there's leaky vaccines. And this is when the vaccine binds. Uh, the binds the infection instead, which just then produces more infection and more mutations thereof. And, and stronger mutations instead, instead of the, of the natural, they, they weaken over time. Yeah, because you're binding it together. You're, you're, you're coagulating it. So yes. But even though that's a very, that cult clearly has demonstrated, there is some cultic, Vaccines are magic. You cannot deny that. Regardless of whether you are generally pro-vaccine or generally skeptical, as Todd is, I, I don't. You have to be lying to yourself if you're clear-minded to not think there. In general, there is some cultic uh, notion of th- these as a salvationary construct. However, it's not nearly as acute 
as what you described with the mask. See, this doesn't require me to inject something I don't trust whatsoever in order to show I'm one of the better people. I'm one of the special people. On top of that, maybe I was hoping that if, I, if we all put these damn things on and they worked, we'd never end up having to devolve to the conversation that we're having right now about forcing me to inject these things into my body. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that mask harder, mask triple. Um, but I think the most obvious answer is what you articulated to. I think Rocco's very, I think, um, astute observation is that even in the, in the spirit of the age religion, people prefer cheap grace too, just as they do in the, in the old time religion. In the spirit of the age, the new religion, I, the cheap grace of just wearing this cloth mask and being counted important and better than other people, there's a lot less, especially because I can, you know, when I'm not around other people, just take it off when the cameras aren't rolling, right? We've seen how many of those shots, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So when, when I, you know, just put it on to go into Costco, Walmart, what have you, to the doctor, but everywhere else, I'm really not wearing it. Okay. Um, the potential backlash of that for me medically compared to injecting a bunch of things into my body I don't trust from corporations I don't trust. That, that takes an extra layer of devotion to the cause. Know what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. So all religions struggle with lukewarmness. All religions struggle with um, a lack of devotion. All religions struggle with some variation of what Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. And in the, in the spirit of the age, COVID's branch Covidian religion, <clears throat> the mask is your cheap grace. Getting the injections is a little bit more of a, that's kind of where we, we, we weed the goat from the sheep. Now we do the sheep from the goats in our, uh, in, in our religion. They do the goats from the sheep in theirs, if you know what I'm yes, saying. Yes, I do. Okay. Aaron, you have any thoughts on that? I, I, I don't, I don't think I can say really all that much more. I mean, this, this is getting, this, this like a lot of things over the last year and a half, we're seeing when it affects and impacts me personally, what people are willing to do. Unfortunately, the left in the spirit of the age is seeing that as well. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, oh, there's some pushback, let's circle the wagons. They're saying, no, we're going to keep dialing it up to 11. Um, no, we're going to keep dialing it up to 11. Uh, no, we'll do uh, interstate vaccine passports. There is no self-awareness. That report from the Associated Press this morning about the Biden administration mulling vaccine passports to travel interstate, the story actually says something to the effect of uh, other more severe mitigation efforts or um, vaccine uh, pushes have been considered, but they, uh, the Biden White House thinks that they might be too polarizing right now. There's not even any inkling of a question about the efficacy there's yeah. not even or any the constitutionality or the not to mention the constitutionality. Yeah. It's all hmm, what can we get away with politically? You know, there's how that, far can we push old, these people before they start shooting? Frank, that's basically yeah. what they're saying. The old cliche, the old cliche. They spend all their time asking if they could and not enough time asking if they should. That's what they keep going on to do because there's no there's no there's no stepping back and looking at the big picture. 
there's no, none of that because, as you correctly deduced yesterday on the- Theology Thursday, this is a religion, a religious impulse driving all of this. So it's not a can't. It's it's not a uh, can we should we. It is a can't stop won't stop. That's what we are up against. Let's go next. Um, I've never seen myself as a religious man. Funny how things change. In the last six years, I've prayed more than I probably have in the last 16. In June 2015, my wife and I were married. Three days later, uh, she had to have uh, a repair in her neck. I prayed that day. In February 2016, I prayed again when my mother-in-law passed away suddenly. I prayed a lot for my wife for at least a year afterwards. From 2015 to 2017, I prayed many times because my wife and I went through five miscarriages. Wow, that's an incredible ordeal. In 2018, I prayed even more after my father passed away suddenly three days before his birthday. The very day after he died, I prayed again for a different reason. My wife informed me that she was expecting again. I was terrified. We had some scares over the next nine months. God knows only God only knows how many times I prayed to him in that period of time. September of six, September second of 2018, though, my wife gave birth to twin girls, Rebel and Journey. Those are great names, by the way. Uh, I prayed a lot more. Five days after their birth. Rebel was diagnosed with tetralogy of phallate. She would require open heart surgery the following May. Everything turned out fine. Rebel had successful surgery, went home five days post-op, even started crawling when she got back home. At this point, you're probably wondering, why is this guy telling me his life story? And what's the deal with all the praying if he doesn't consider himself a religious person? I struggle with religion, not because I don't believe in God, obviously, but because I don't feel like I have the faith required to call myself worthy. Let me stop right there. You don't. Neither do I. Neither does Todd. Neither does Aaron. Neither does anybody else who has ever lived. No one is worthy of a right relationship with God. No one is worthy of the gift of faith in God. No one is worried or worthy of being forgiven by God. No one is. No one ever has been. That's why they call it grace. That's why we say God is good all the time and all the time God is good. So stop struggling with whether you're worthy. I'll help you with that, brother. You're not worthy. (laughs) So don't worry about it. You're not. Okay. My wife is not a fan of organized religion. It doesn't make her a bad person, though. She's probably one of the most Christian type people I've ever encountered. She gives so much. She's always trying to help someone. I've often told her that she's more Christ-like than many of the Christians I know. She's raised money for local groups, animal rescue. Right now, she's helping to raise money for Children's Miracle Network. She does nothing but give. So here's my question. I would love for my wife to join me in church as much as possible if not for us, but at least for my daughters. I want them to grow up with the same beliefs that I had. I just feel they'd be better off for it to have faith, to have God in their lives. I don't feel like I can do it by myself, though. I want her to be a part of it, too. So how does a guy convince a hard-headed Scots-Irish woman with a history of doing her own thing that God is important to me and to our children? I know of all the things I could have written about today, I chose the last thing I thought I would ever see myself contacting you about. That is from Jeremy Arneson. Jeremy, this reminds me very much of a conversation I had in my own home 20 years ago after we had our first kid, Anastasia, okay? I mean, let's join a church at least for uh, the kids to have a good upbringing. 
I mean, I said all the same things that you are saying right now. I also, I, I said them all. And now 20 years later, look what happened to me. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm going to give you some very simple advice, Jeremy, but it is not easy. Live it. Model it. I don't mean like a perfect level of behavior. Model and live a desire to know your creator. Do that. And the lifestyle and behavioral choices and things that you want to set an example to your, uh, to the women in your home, your daughters and your wife, that will, that will happen naturally. That will be the byproduct of that pursuit. But don't start with that as a goal. Because you're not worthy and you'll fail. You can't do it on your own. Start modeling on your own a pursuit of a relationship with God. Start there with you, the man in the mirror. Start there. And, and let that relationship go where it wants to go and change you in the ways it wants to change you and then see what happens. Now that is very simple advice, but it is not easy. I wouldn't like announce it to the family. Hey, I joined a men's ministry. No, no, just you and God as if there was no one else on earth but you. What would you want to know about the being that made you? Why, they, why he made you? For what purpose? What does he want from and for you? Seek out earnestly the answers to those questions. And then I think once you get a few of those answers and your family sees those answers manifest themselves in your life, this will be a far easier Rubicon to cross. Anybody want to add to that before I move on? Uh, well, I would say a- absolutely go to church. I, I don't know how old your daughters are, uh, but you know everybody's got their own stuff that they do on their own. Your wife goes shopping or hobbies. She, ha- you know, it. So this doesn't have to totally be like an entirely crazy off the wall. This is your thing now, and you're going to carve out an hour of time for that and you tell them listen ultimately i think i'd want to go with you but also i know there's a lot of skepticism and i'm gonna make sure i gotta go out and find the right one first because god knows mm-hmm. you can find the wrong one mm-hmm. but I, I i i don't i don't think you can do this in a way only based on what steve said i think you need to find a spiritual home and uh, that's ultimately and prepare the way for them, if you will. It, because not everybody is equipped to s- sit in their living room and just good book this thing. That the church is a family. Doing it in isolation, as hermits have done throughout all of history, all of Christian history, is possible. But it is much, much harder so i would find a a home that you would 
excitingly welcome them into the moment they are ready. I don't know how long that's going to take, though. You might be there for five years by yourself. And maybe your kids never go. I, I, I don't know. I can't make your promises like that. But that's what I do. Lori Brown says, um, finding your show about a year and a half ago started me on my journey back to God that was 30 years overdue. I bought a Bible and have discovered so many options for study. I'm reading every day and discovering how amazing God's word is. My struggle, though, is with finding good Christian media. You too, huh? Uh, I recently picked up a book by Frank Peretti because of a mention on the show and also found Time Changer and The Passion for the same reason. You guys talking about them. I've read both your nefarious books. Great job, by the way. Thank you. But I have found, to quote the famous Jace Robertson, most Christian media is just so cheesy. On Tuesdays, you've shared the spectrum of genres, most of which I have some, if not great, appreciation for when you talk pop culture, but you don't usually get much in the way of Christian media. My fear is that there's so little out there that isn't cheesy that maybe I'm missing something. My request is that you might consider sharing more hidden gems of any form. Thanks so much for what you three do. Um, Lori, I, I, there, there's more out there that we could mention, okay? You know, I've, I've, first of all, if you're new to the show, maybe you have not heard me discuss uh, one of my one of my all-time favorite films it'd be somewhere like in my top 25 30 and that's uh, a movie called Joshua I would hi highly recommend that film okay um and you know what maybe next round of evergreen specialty shows we have to record we should do one on best Christian media entertainment out there. Okay. That'd be hard. It's going to be harder though than you think, you know? And how do I say this? Maybe I shouldn't. It, you know what? I won't. It, it, it doesn't need to be said because we all agree that the, the cheesiness factor is a struggle. Okay. Um, there was a movie about uh, 15 years ago that's a retelling of Esther called One Night with the King. Have you guys ever seen that? I've not. That's really good. Okay. I'm familiar with that. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that's really well done. I would recommend that one. Okay. So there's two more for you. Joshua, One Night with the King. But, you know, it seemed like we were just on the brink after the success of the first God's Not Dead and a few other things. It seemed like we were on the brink. Uh, there's a there have been some other ones that have been good. Um, Mom's Night Out is good. Uh, what's the one I mentioned? Um, Woodlaw and the football film. That's mm -hmm. really good. Pure Flicks really seemed to be finally had figured out, you know, how to do this in a way that wasn't cheesy. And then I don't know kind of what happened to them. They just seemed to have like fallen off the map. All right. And so that has kind of left us to look for some of these eternal themes in the more mainstream areas. But yeah, th there's more options out there. Probably though, not as many as you would have hoped for, but there's more out there. And we'll maybe do a specialty show here one of these days when the next round of evergreens, where we kind of list off some of our favorite, uh, our favorite Christian media. Anybody want to add to that? Well, I think 
the irony of this though is that the direction we're going um it's not that i don't want more of it but it it might be too little too late uh the horse has kind of left the barn in many respects we needed c- christian media yesterday uh to be good and uh, maybe we'll return to the the place again where uh we can have that level of luxury and relaxation but i mean you've been listening to us this week i mean there's no time left the enemies are at the gates they've been inside the gates destroying this thing for the entire time the associated press reported this morning that the president of the united states is mulling over trying to create some form of mandate where you can't travel across state lines without proof of injecting yourself in this experimental vaccine that is failing from an efficacy standpoint in real time as we stand yeah time is of the essence here there's to a to a very dark place this all goes I, i agree with you on that more in a moment All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. We'll continue on with Feedback Friday here in a moment. First, though, let me remind you how much I love Built Bar and why you should, too, because it is absolutely the best protein bar ever invented. Did you see what Built Bar pulled off yesterday? Did you guys hear about this? That is so Apple cool. cider vinegar? No, no, not a flavor. <laughs> so, so Built Bar announced that they're going to be paying. They did a massive name, image, and likeness deal with Brigham Young. The football program because they're utah based yeah because they're utah based ah. they are paying the tuition of byu's walk-ons let me tell you what they really just did maybe this was not their intention but what byu really just did is not only a great act of kindness but they actually just figured out how to help the football program um recruit more people than you're currently allowed by uh, allocating scholarships. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Because that's, first of all, BYU is a highly ranked university. So let me think, man. I'm some two, three-star kid in the Midwest. I've got a chance to go play at uh, Akron, uh, get a scholarship there, or someplace in the MAC, right? Or do I walk on uh-uh-uh, at, boys, at, at BYU? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to get a lot more visibility in a program that's on television a lot more than most of those Mac teams are. What what Built Bar and BYU came up with yesterday, I'm telling you, everybody from Nick Saban to Dabo Sweeney woke up and read that that headline yesterday and thought to themselves, crap, man. I wish we had a Built Bar. Why didn't we think of that? Okay. I mean, that. There will be. I mean, it's a brilliant. I mean, it's a stroke of brilliance from a marketing perspective. I, I saw somebody uh, sign up with some local car dealership in Alabama. They got a like a muscle car. Uh, I think yes. it was an Alabama or an LSU player. Yep. And there's an Instagram co- uh, post with him in the muscle car and a, and a link to the dealership. This made national news, and it's going to continue to make national news because it's a it's a longer term deal. I mean, that is a lot of bang for the buck right there. Consider. Almost none of us knew what a built bar was like two years ago. Yep. All right. And now official sponsor of the U.S. Olympic track and field team, like maybe the most 
popular series of events uh, in the Olympics other than basketball. Now they just rocked the college football world with name, image, and likeness, giving um, you know a, a, a program that has been a traditional power for decades, but it kind of gone down a little bit until last year with a massive bounce back. And now, man, this is the greatest advantage that BYU football has had since Lavelle Edwards brought the passing game there. I mean, this this company, here's how they pulled this all off. You know, and it goes to how we have done our show. We desperately and greatly, and it's our prime directive, want our show to be a conduit for a biblical worldview. But in order for that to happen, you know what the show has to be? Good. Good. It's got to be good, right? It's got to be good. You know what Bill Barr did? I'm sure, man, the people that created it, I'm sure they had all, maybe not, you know, with this thing with BYU, but something along those lines about how they're going to do this for their favorite team or their favorite sport or sponsor the Olympics. And then, you know, they realized, you know what we probably need to do before we can do any of that stuff? Our product needs to be good. And it is. Uh, it's, it's the best protein bar I think that's ever been made. Easy on the tummy, delicious, every flavor covered in real chocolate. You want to try it now, get 15% off your order. When you use my last name, Dace as your promo code at built.com. That's B U I L T for built.com promo code Dace. Get 15% off today at built.com. My wife and I watch your show almost every day. Um, I have a question for you. I'm a legal immigrant from France who ran away from statism and socialism in 1999. I've seen the U.S. change, of course, and it's caused me a lot of grief. I am increasingly surprised to see so many Americans adopt the mainstream culture of the left or what you call the spirit of the age. After the disaster created by the educational system, which has told the kids that they were the best, even if they don't know anything, like the self-esteem movement, while brainwashing them, I've been pondering how much pop culture plays into the making of the sheep around us. Well, look, brother, I mean, what did the Biden uh, administration try to go out and do, uh, you know, in order to get people to take more jabs? They're going to pop culture, social media, entertainment. I mean, so there you go, Okay. Um, I can honestly say I don't understand this thing about American pop culture. I actually don't even understand the rage with superhero movies, most of them aside from a few being terribly written and poorly acted. Maybe that's the French snob in me. It is. Uh, who craves interesting dialogues, character growth, and worthwhile stories, all while smoking a pack of cigarettes for breakfast. I added that last part. Uh, that may be the only point of disappointment with you guys. So it'd be interesting if you could analyze the current state of American pop culture as if, as if it has created the lack of critical judgment in most people these days. The dumbing down of masses, as I describe it. I personally believe the IQ level of today's pop culture is very low, and it's a vicious cycle, the next generation creating worse and worse content, or am I just getting to be an old fart? You're not getting an old fart, but I, I think you're barking up the wrong tree when it comes to the superhero genre. Because that's one of the last places and last genres of pop culture that actually emulates any form of traditional Americana or the values that made and forged Western civilization whatsoever. With all respect, Olivier, um, it is the films that you want with interesting dialogue. Those are the ones that are the far more likely. Let me give you some interesting dialogue. Did God really say, and let's go on from there. I mean, that, it's those films with their niche audiences in their art houses. Those are the ones 
that are essentially hermeneutics for the spirit of the age. I mean, the amount of theme, of, 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 of thematic elements that harken back to Judeo-Christian values and Western civil, Western, Western civ mythology, um, historicity, in, for example, the final two uh, Avengers films is rich. Lord of the Rings, which we cite on this show quite a bit, was written by Tolkien as an homage to these things, intentionally. So I agree, brother, with your lament, and I'm certainly sympathetic with the perspective you have as you left a country that has gone down, that it went down the road, we're going down right now. So I respect that. But I actually think it's what you consider the lowbrow stuff. That stuff is far more likely to, to include the themes that you want to champion compared to the stuff with the interesting dialogue that you're looking for. You have any thoughts on that, Erzin? I agree entirely with you about giving the whole, at least the Marvel uh, series of movies, a chance. Now, y- y- what comes from here? And obviously, I see, seriously. And can I address that since you brought that up? The further the DC gets away from Zack Snyder, the worse their thematic elements get. I mean, even you go back and watch the Snyder cut of the Justice League and you see all the major themes he was attempting to address that the the first Wonder Woman attempted to address. The second one tries addressing some, but is clumsy. The the further they get away from it. Now, this this latest Suicide Squad film, the last Harley Quinn film, that is just, in my view, all lowbrow nihilism, in my opinion. So I would agree with you on that. But the original Snyder vision of the of the DC universe was to tackle a lot of these major Agreed. thematic elements, and we even talked about it at the time. Agreed. Uh, I think Star Wars may be an utterly lost cause. That's possible at too. this point. But, yeah. but there's a there is a larger point besides it, whether any of this is good or bad. And this is where I agree with you. In uh, what's his name? Olivia. Olivia entirely. It's pride of place as an idol. Is, is utterly out of control. I've said this many times about Steve on the show. This is, Steve can be fanboy about uh, Superman all he wants. He can be into uh, football, college, pro, the, the betting, the analysis, all he wants. As long as its place on the hierarchy of truth is in its proper place. For him, I know as his friend, it is. For most people... It isn't. It's in place of. It's in place. It is their religion. Mm-hmm. That's a huge problem. It's a gigantic problem, and and it it's such a problem that based on where our country is right now, as good as the Marvel Cinematic Universe was, it would have been better had it not been made at all. If we could have had this whole thing called pop culture, uh, get put back where it belongs so it didn't make us the fat dumb and lazy fools we are that are clapping like trained seals while we are at the end of western civilization duke delaman writes that's the name of a newscaster you respect i'm duke delaman and tonight the news uh he writes i'm an american living in new zealand and enjoying your show they haven't blacked it out there yet Uh, One of the main reasons is after watching the media all over the world going nuts and falling all over themselves to celebrate another useless leader like Biden. Uh, After celebrating our one party communist labor party government, I am scared for this world. You too? Dude, I I tweeted this morning. I think we're maybe beginning to learn in real time why America's never mentioned in any end times prophecy uh, teaching. So 
I haven't said this yet. I I absolutely think this is possible that this is be the last football season I'll get to enjoy. I'm I'm on I'm honestly contemplating it. Like not because it's too political, like it will exist. I mean, we are we are heading here down roads that history says there these are one ways, okay? One ways. And a train's coming the other yeah, direction. Yeah, 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 you know. So I I feel you, Duke. Okay, I'm feeling you. Um, well, he goes on to say, I'm sure that others are feeling the same way <laughs> and turning to people like you and other conservative voices for hope that the spirit of the age is not taken over. Most other countries do not have the strong conservative voices that the USA does as they are mainly silenced or being taken off the air no matter how popular they are. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Duke. And our heart just breaks for what's happening to you guys down under there. And, and those countries and the fact most of your countrymen want this as well. If you could go back in time to the founding fathers before they completed the constitution and tell the one thing that will happen and they'll believe you, what would it be? That's Russell judges. That they must specifically now, Hamilton addresses this in the Federalist papers, uh, or letters. He addresses this in the Federalist letters. I think it's 78, 81 is where he addresses concerns that the anti-Federalists had about if we're too, you know, um, ambiguous about the, with the powers that these unelected judges have, they'll just take more power. And he lays out that they have neither force nor will. They can't tax and spend. They can't raise an army. They can't make law. He, he specifies and itemizes those things. But a concordance is valuable, right? Isn't, is a Bible concordance valuable? valuable? Yeah, yeah. Is it the Bible? No. No, it's not. Does anybody cite a concordance for their morality, for their philosophy? Yeah, I read on page 89 of Strong's concordance. No, they don't. They don't. And that's what those... That's what those letters were. They're a concordance, but they're not the they're not the force of law. They're not codification. That's what the Constitution is. So I, if I could go back, Russell, I would tell them you need to very specifically itemize exactly what judges with a lifetime appointment can and cannot do. Period. It's not enough just to enumerate their powers. You did that. You need to enumerate the powers they don't have. What can they not do? You need to specify that. And talk to us like we're kindergartners. Very, very specifically, what can unelected judges do? And what, even more specifically, can they not do? That's what I would have them go back and do if I could speak to the founders today. Uh, I, I've come totally to the opposite side of this thing. I, I used to argue against it, but I think maybe term limits. Yeah. Be- because yeah. The, now the elitist class uh, that we have been overrun by now, the reason uh, term limits, I won't see the only reason. I'd have to do a far deeper dive and remembering all of the bells and whistles of possibly how they considered that, what have you. But at least in an unconscious level, it was their own elitism that kept them from imposing term limits i mean there was a it was a gentleman society and there was a there was no, actually, so this is a noble calling yes yes yeah, yeah. um but 
but it's where much of the Constitution was ultimately ended up being the brilliant thing it was because they recognized how everybody had feet of clay. And I, like I said, 10 years ago, I don't think you would convince you this because I, I think I, I just would have, I've seen what I've seen and I can't unsee it anymore. Yeah, that's I a good point. You know? I also think if I, if I had that ability to go back 300 years and make this pitch, I'd get a, I told you from Jefferson. <laughs> Because he spent the latter part of his years writing paper after paper and letter after letter, speech after speech, railing against tyranny of the judiciary. Okay? So I'd also kind of like to get a helmet sticker from him as well. Just my own yeah. personal goal. I, um, I have one. Um, quickly, because I got to do, do one more read. Go yeah, ahead. Do, do not let dueling go out of the mainstream. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's, uh. Encode it into law if you must. <laughs> Oh, that's well played. Um, you know, we've been talking about Rough Greens for quite a while now. It is the supplement powder that you sprinkle in with your pet's food to put uh, probably all the good vitamins, minerals, nutrients, uh, pro, prebiotics that were stripped out uh, of the dog's food at the factory. Same thing they do to the human food for the same reason, mass production distribution. So we have to go out and buy a whole bunch more supplements to put that stuff back into our bodies that it needs. Same thing probably is true for your pet. That's what Rough Greens is. It's that supplement. Now you may think though, what if my dog, I mix it in the food and the dog doesn't like it and I just, I'm, I wasted this money? Well, good news for you. We'll give you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free when you go to roughgreens.com. Now, you put in a couple of bucks for the shipping. We want to make sure you try it, you know, that you have some skin in the game. But we're going to give you the bag for free at roughgreens.com. R-U-F-F is how it's spelled. Roughgreens.com. See if your dog likes it on us at roughgreens.com or give them a call at 833-ROUGHDOG. That's 833-ROUGH-DOG. I really think that the founders would, would be shocked that the shooting hasn't started if they were alive today. I, I, but, but I think it's because of the amount of prosperity and cultural uh, convenience that exists, right? Yeah, yes. In many respects, the Marxists that cracked the code in China are importing that here. And that is that notice that we're talking about, <laughs> we're not talking about having no, we're, we're, this, we, we have to stop interstate travel, right? Nobody's saying, hey, don't put uh, 75,000 in the NFL stadium here this weekend for a preseason game. No. Nobody said that, right? Nope. Nobody said don't put 9,000 people crumped together at the Field of Dreams last no. night. Lollapalooza happened yeah, in Chicago. Because, because the Marxists know if we give you that, right in circuses, then we'll let you, you'll let us do whatever we want to you. Because yes. it worked in China, it'll work on you. Yes, it will. Have a great weekend. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.